Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Petum here as always, and I have Tom Nightingale and Sebastian Bacon alongside me to discuss Aston Villa 3, Leeds United 3. Um, that wasn't a dream. Um, it was probably beautiful for the neutral. Um, but uh, yeah, that happened, and I don't know how to feel about it. But anyways, let's go over to the guys before we dive into this and see what kind of sense we can make of some nonsense defensively. Tom, how's it going for you? Uh, you just summed up there, really. I don't really know how to feel. Like, it's care- really careless of us not to have won the game, but we're also lucky to have not lost the game. Um, I'm I still trying to unravel what's happened there, really. Um, it's just another It's another one every so often. Unfortunately, not as rare as you would like, but every so often with Villa, you get games like this that just rear their ugly heads. And it's that from a position of absolute, what should be a position of absolute control to not win that game is uh, intensely frustrating. Yeah. Massively Seb. I, I know you've been massively busy. You have some romance in your life now. I'm throwing you under the, under the, uh, I don't even know under the cosh, I guess you could say um, with that, we won't give you any more details. If you want to know about Seb's life, DM him, of course. Uh, but anyways, how's it going for you? Yeah, sorry, I just had to get my breath back from from watching that. Um, I don't really know how to sum that up. And I know that's not a very good thing because I'm currently on a podcast and that's my job to sum it up. But um, confusing is probably the word I'd use. Um, Lamborghini in attack and Robin Reliant in defence, probably. Um, It's really difficult. (laughs) I think... We started really strong. First five minutes, we looked as though we were going to press Leeds and that's where Leeds struggle most is where teams come on to them. And then Leeds gained momentum, got a goal from it and you thought, oh, you know, what's going on here? That was a sloppy thing to give away and we lost momentum for a bit. Leeds took control. Then Villa came back at them, just like a basketball match really. Got our goals, the place was rocking. Suddenly we find ourselves 3-1 up and it's like, happy days let's take control of this now and almost see it out I know that's a dangerous thing to do when you're still in the first half but it had been such a hectic say half an hour that we thought you know what let's just control this now let's control the tempo um then Leeds got a sloppy one just before half time which again could have so easily been avoided and then you're going into half time at three two going whoa <laughs> what just happened you know, hopefully, hopefully it's one of them games where it's a mad first half and nothing happens in the second half. We control the game. We see it out three points in the bag. Perfect. And Leeds came out the traps quicker than us in the second half, which is unlike Villa under Gerard, because usually Gerard's teams come out stronger in the second half. But I think we allowed Leeds to push on again and they got their equaliser. And from there, it just again you know carried on as a basketball match but the tempo decreased due to the 
due to the high pressing of the players in the first half, you know, fitness levels dropped off and it sort of uh, edged its way out into a draw. There are so many things that I can pick up on today. First of all, I think the ref lost control at times. It was one of those games where, you know, there were in, certainly towards the second half, there were a lot of challenges flying in. It was getting quite feisty and I don't think the ref handled it very well. I think there was one that sticks out where Cash went in to a brilliant tackle, won the ball, almost a Gerard-esque tackle right in front of his manager. And you could see the touchline got up and cheered him. And then suddenly the whistle went for a yellow card and it's like, whoa, what's happened here? And then that sort of sparked it for the last 20 minutes or so, considering there was eight minutes added on. And, you know, as I said, it worked its way out into a draw. Um, one thing I would like to say is I think Villa in recent times would have probably lost that game. Um, seeing our two goal cushion be depleted like that. I'm I'm glad we were able to hold on as we were, but I think there's just as many negatives tonight as there are positives. You know, I could keep going. Watkins tonight looked lethargic. I was saying to the to you two before we came on to the podcast, I've said from the moment we signed Danny Ings, Danny Ings should be our starting striker for us. You know, hindsight is a brilliant thing. And Watkins had an amazing season last season. To break into the Prem and to do what he did for Villa is an incredible achievement. But when you've got someone like Danny Ings in the squad, you you start him. He's not a bench player in the Premier League. He's the type of player that doesn't have to play well, but can get you one goal, two goals. All he needs is a little snippet. Whereas I feel as though Watkins needs three or four chances and you hope that he'll take one. It's almost as if Watkins won't play as well, but will score. Whereas if he does play well, you almost feel like he's not going to score because he won't have had the right amount of chances. Whereas Ings will take one of them. Um, in defence, you know, I could talk about this for hours. How long have you got, Cole? Mings, <laughs> it's really difficult. It's really difficult because he made a lot of mistakes tonight and I don't know whether they're mistakes. I don't know whether they're lapses of concentration. I, I don't know how to justify it. I'm a big Mings fan, but I also recognize that he, he can make costly errors for us and he can put us up against it with some of his decision-making. He's very good at carrying the ball out. He will beat the first line of attack and then he'll stride into midfield with the ball. And then often his final ball or his layoff will be lacking and it will put, put us back on the back foot then. To gift them three goals is almost criminal. Dan James should never, ever, ever be winning a header on the football pitch for as long as he lives, especially against Tyrone Mings, might I add. The third one, the third one I'm going to put down as unlucky because he'd blocked it off the line twice. We were up against it and then it was just a poor touch as the ball came into the box. You know, pressure tells in football and it did as they got their equaliser. And then the first one was collectively bad from all across the back four. I don't think you can pin that one on Mings, but certainly didn't have a good game. Moving across the other side to Consa, stupidity is all I can put it down to. It's so, so stupid and annoying, reckless. He'll be kicking himself because there was no need for either of those tonight. There were both yellow cards and I think the referee made the correct decision. However, a player of his calibre 
should know so much better than that. They were both completely needless. And we've lost him for what could now be a very difficult game up up country. Um, I think we needed concert at the weekend against Newcastle with Chris Wood and Alan St. Maximum up front. I think he would have been a good player to be able to nullify them alongside Tyrone Mings. Now we're going into that with either one of Courtney House or Callum Chambers, and I think we'll come on to it later about who we think should be starting alongside Mings there. But it's just frustrating that two games against Leeds and Newcastle that you think we could get six points here, and now we've put ourselves right up against it, against a rejuvenated Newcastle, probably at the time where you want to face them the least. Well, you can tell Seb hasn't been on long enough because I could have taken a nap walking up and he was still talking, but all good points, Seb. Um, I feel like I need to have a special little voiceover for that little corner. Maybe it could be something like Seb's Corner brought to you by. So if you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, let us know because, uh, yeah, we could use it. But anyways, Tom, how are you feeling about that? Because, I mean, you know what? Maybe we'll, we'll even kind of position this podcast right now to start with the whole defensive lapse and judgment that was this game for Villa because I feel like we can almost split it into the good and the bad and maybe even the ugly as well but a lot of people Tom are going to go right at Tyrone Mings initially you have to look at Dougie Louise as well I thought our midfield was massively suspect aside from Jacob Ramsey having probably the best game of his life offensively but what did you make of Villa from a defensive point of view I mean from a defensive point of view, it was terrible, wasn't it? Let's be, let's be real about it. Um, Mings, I like Seb said it well about Mings. Like we've, I think we've all been pretty uh, staunch defenders of Tyrone Mings on this podcast uh, over the last year, eighteen months or so. Um, I would still like to think that he's a net positive in terms of stuff that he brings does a lot of good work in games also is uh as much as some people might like to deny it he is a very vocal uh leader for our team i think uh and in the on the pitch and in the dressing room but performances like today you know he still did a fair lot fair bit of good work lots of lots of headers won some really key blocks like it's very unfortunate that we conceded the i don't know was it the second no it's the third wasn't it when we conceded from the corner after he'd blocked it on the line, um, you know, that was, there's a bit, there's a a hefty touch of misfortune involved there. But if we're looking to progress as a team, the way that we clearly are, we're not, haven't been afraid to upgrade, particularly attacking positions. Um, And looking, you know, it's, it's very well known that we're looking for a new defensive midfielder. We're going to go back in the summer people like Basuma being mentioned, we're going to go back for these midfield players. Like we're clearly looking to upgrade and to take those next steps. Um, You know, they weren't afraid to replace last season's player of the season, Matt Target, player's player of the season, Um, bring in a player who's undeniably a big upgrade on him at left back in Luca Dina. Um, You just wonder how many more performances, how many more, error-strewn performances like that do you put up with really and like it's it pains me to say it because I like like I'm big like I'm big Mings fan but today was not just him the whole defense I actually thought it was I thought it was about as bad as I've ever seen Esri Concert play for Villa 
he's another one I think who's dropped off remarkably from last season. Um, he's still very good, very good player, very good defender in there, and he's he's got youth and time on his side as well, but not at the races in the same way as he was last season. Like a lot of sorry, Tom. Do you think it's complacency? Like I'm starting to honestly wonder. You had we had such a great season in terms of the season before, and now I almost sit there and wonder like if there's just a little bit too much comfort with some of these guys. Well, I mean, you would help. You would hope that what's happened to like Matt Target would put an end to that if that is the case i do think there's a hefty dose of complacency like okay mings was dropped by smith wasn't he uh october time shortly before it all properly unraveled during that losing spell wasn't it, i think um and he came out didn't he? he said in the guardian this week that he felt like he'd been scapegoated but he wanted to respond well to it won his place back or whatever um you would hope that these are warning signs that 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 that, that kill that complacency dead right um but I do have to say, I think there's a bit of it. There's there's a bit of it involved. I think like Villa's Villa defensively today were to make no bones about it were absolutely awful. Like the three goals, I have this happens. This has happened, I think, already this season, uh, where we've scored some good goals and conceded some horrendous goals. Never has that difference been more drastic than than at home to Leeds this week. Um, three goals of absolute quality and beauty, and the three that we conceded. Talking about spoken about it already. How is Dan James winning a header against not just Tyrone Mings, but the crowd of players in the box? Like, how is he winning that header? How are we for their I, uh, which one was it? It was the second one as well. Yeah, even before the header. How the amount of number of players we had just stood, defenders and midfielders just stood watching Leeds play their way into the box. There was that little back heel that I would I was about to say took two Villa defenders out of the game, but it didn't take them out of the game because they were just standing ball watching anyway. Like you could have walked the ball into the net. I I, I don't know if it's complacency. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I, going back to having John Terry on our defensive staff, how big an impact maybe has his departure actually had? Because defensively, we've been nowhere near to the standard that we were last season. Last season, obviously, we had lapses. We had some poor games, but generally speaking... We were a solid defensive unit. It's gone. Like, it's really gone. Um, so you're at a position now as well, like the concert red card is, is infuriating. One of the stupidest things I've seen a Villa player do in a, in a while, that second yellow. And while I said he had a poor game, like you, you said, said it, you're going to bloody want him, aren't you? At St. James's Park, where we never win anyway, where you've got Chris Wood, I think three goals in four Premier League games against Villa. Uh, some Maximan who looks like he could take any any defence in the league for a walk at the moment, the way he's playing. You need your best performers out there and you need them to be on, on their game. Today we weren't at all and now throwing it forward defensively to Newcastle, you're going to have Tyrone Mings and probably Callum Chambers because he's right-footed on the right-hand side or maybe you play Hawes, you play two left-footed centre-backs next to each other. Either way, like it's not what you want, is it, when you're going into a game where I think if any fans are thinking that it's not going to be one hell of a scrap at, at St. James's Park on Sunday, they need to have another think about it, really. I'm Who not would you play, Tom? At all. Um, uh, I would be tempted. I would be tempted to play Chambers, but the big issue with that, of course, is it'll be the first time they've played together. Like It's, it's a hell of a game to Newcastle on looking like they're going to be on a big upswing really yeah. got the wind in their sails. Like it's a big game to try out a new central defensive partnership. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know. As that's why they don't pay me the big bucks, you see. <laughs> I, I, I fumble I th- around decisions like this. I think the thing with House is he offers you aerial ability and consistency in the air, whereas it's at his feet that he struggles. So mm. potentially you might want House going up against Chris Wood. Would that be a battle that I'd prefer to see than Chambers and Chris Wood? Yes. Mm. But then it's about how do you stop St. Maximum? Because yeah. do you put a central midfield player on St. Maximum? And a bit like what Hutton did to the Adama Traore in the playoffs for Middlesbrough years ago. Mm. Do you stick a player on St. Maximum and go wherever he goes, follow him, stick to him like a rash, just follow him around that pitch. You haven't got a set position today. Your position mm. is up St. Maximum's ass. I don't want you longer than five metres away. And then let House deal with Wood. Or do you sit off them and say, go on then, run at us because we're good enough yeah. to stop you? But- because it's difficult. Uh, we we face the top Everton side who we all thought Everton are going to be rejuvenated. Duncan Ferguson's going to put them up one. They're going to be right up for it. And we, we held our own. We stuck firm and we got a well-earned clean sheet from that, even though they were coming at us we were able to say, look, no, here's our defensive line. You won't be able to stop it and we're going to keep a clean sheet. So why has that changed so drastically so soon? The thing that bothered, the thing, real thing that bothered me with the Leeds game is that if you look, you didn't even have to look at the team, like the team sheets before kickoff. You didn't even have to look at the lineups. You know that Leeds coming come into Villa Park, no Bamford, no Phillips. Their plan A all day, like all day long, is going to be get it to Rafinha and Jack Harrison and work the space in the fullback spots behind our fullbacks as our fullbacks are struggling to get back from having bombed forward. You know that's coming. And it took Leeds nine minutes, ten minutes to exploit it and score from it. Which is like, even more disappointing when Rafinha had a really poor game today. It was, yeah, it was rubbish, wasn't it? Um, and it's, it's so frustrating. And so the problem... I think a real problem looking ahead as well, not even just Newcastle, but beyond the rest of the season and beyond, is that it's how Gerard likes to play, is have those fullbacks bombing forwards. I don't want to get into a whole comparing English football and Scottish football thing, but like I think it's fair to say that as Rangers manager, if you want your fullbacks to bomb forward, just get them bombing forward because like how much harm is really going to be done to you on a regular basis by teams counter-attacking against you in, in Scottish Premier League? when you're Rangers, you know, it's a different kettle of fish now. And like, if we want to play that system, um, if you're going to have two fullbacks pushing high up the pitch, our Mings and Concer, based on this season's evidence, a solid enough pairing to deal with the onslaught of attacking players you have coming forward, filling those gaps. Do we have enough going back in central midfield to help out when Douglas Louise thought he was another one who I thought was not at the races at all today? Um, it's a it's a real issue looking forward, and I I don't really see a simple solution if that's the way that Gerard wants to play. Um, it works sometimes, worked very well against Everton. When you know Everton, we looked so solid. Um, but today it's like all of those issues that we talk about every few games. We have to talk about these defensive issues, and today. It's the worst I can think of in a while. Like if we hadn't have had that that great great Wolverhampton collapse from earlier in the season, this would be the worst implosion 
I can remember from Villa in a little while at least there was that Burnley game wasn't there last season there's always another one you see you think it's the worst <laughs> and you think back and there's always other examples yeah I mean see and this is the interesting thing like we, we've been talking about the overlapping and the fullbacks bombing forward and for me it comes down to one thing if we're going to get countered and you're going to play like that you're going to get countered but the one thing that drove me nuts more so than anything today, and it's been happening all season, it doesn't matter if it's Luka Dinier or it's Maddie Target, if it's Cash or whoever wants to play uh, right back on the day, it's if you're going to get these guys forward and getting the ball into the box, you need players making those runs. And I know we've kind of touched on the whole Watkins-Ings thing, and it's been a theme uh, since Ings came in, but it's just... I, it's obvious that Watkins started today for me because he had uh, two good friendlies where I believe he scored in both if I'm thinking correctly. So you're probably thinking, okay, keep that momentum forward. Maybe he'll capitalize on that. But it just feels like today was Danny Ings' game. You want someone that's direct to go at leads, to counteract their directness because it doesn't matter what the quality of a lead side is under Marcel, Marcel Bielsa they're going to be more fit than you and they're going to run more than you. You know that. So the whole thing is slowing it down from the defensive standpoint and speeding it up in the attack. And I just feel like there are so many instances where either cash would play a good ball in or Digne would be and Watkins is nowhere to be found or his reaction was a few seconds off or even it could be another midfielder kind of moving into that space. It's, I just feel like we're not making enough kind of final ball threatening opportunities really in those. And albeit we scored three goals. So I don't really know how mad you could be from an attacking standpoint, but it's just, it's getting to that point where I'm starting to wonder what we do going forward. But Seb, I, I know you're standing with Danny Ings, but do you want to add to this? I mean, look, let me clear this up. I love Ollie Watkins. I think he's a brilliant player to have in your squad. And I'm so glad that he plays for Aston Villa. However, I mean, look, it's a it's a it's a nice problem to have, and it's a problem that Villa haven't really had in recent years, where you can go, look, we've got two potentially world class forwards here. You know, who who do you pick? Um, but I just think for me, a lot of what people basing uh, Watkins play on is. His pressing ability, you know, Watkins will press their defence, he'll run at them, he'll get at them. Whereas from what I've seen from Danny Ings so far this season, and I must admit it's taken me by surprise, but when I'm sat in the Holt end, the one player that presses the most for me is Danny Ings. You know, you'll often see us lose the ball in the attacking third of the pitch. They'll be on the counter-attack and who's the player keeping up with them? It's Danny Ings. He will happily get back into the right-back spot, left-back spot and win that ball back, which is something that I never really knew about his game and took me by surprise so far this season. I just think if you compare the two, one has had a prolonged season in the Premier League. He's had many years where he scored a lot of goals and He's proved why he's one of the most consistent strikers in the league. And there's another one who's still an up-and-coming talent, let's not get that wrong, who could be brilliant for years to come. But he's still learning his trade in the Premier League. He's had a good season and he's still trying to build on that. And I think it's about squeezing both of their potentials out of them whilst trying not to hinder the other one as you do it. 
which is something that's really difficult. And Tom said it earlier, I'm glad I'm not being paid to make that decision because they can't play together. We figured that out. They cannot play in the same squad together. I think ah, it's really, it's really difficult. It is. It if is. it was up to me, and it's not, thank God. But if it was up to me, I would make a decision. I'd have a look at all the stats, look at in-depth who offers us more. And I'd I'd bring them into the office. I'd sit them down and I'd go, you are my striker. You've got a run of five games, seven games, where you will be our starting striker no matter what happens. Go out there and prove it why you should be our striker going forward you know you've got a run of games now prove to me what you can do because I think that will give them the little confidence boost they need again looking at the other side it's about keeping the other one happy because Danny Ings isn't going to come to sit on the bench and Ollie Watkins I think will be going well look what I did last season you know I'm more than capable of leading this line for for this football club so massive dilemma but at the same time it's not a bad dilemma to have and that's that's the problem, isn't it? Is that with I think uh, what you just touched on at the end there, Watkins is one of those players where you are increasingly having to say he's probably thinking, "Look at what I did last season," and like you're increasingly having to say, "Yeah, but look at the goals he scored last season. Look at his pressing rate last season." Like I'm not really seeing the same Watkins anymore. And I think one issue you talked about complacency earlier. One issue, one thing that worries me is that like. Does Watkins think that he's not going to get dropped? Because I, 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 I'm not really seeing the sort of urgency that you would like to see from your starting striker when you have somebody with the experience, quality and record of Danny Ings on the bench. I, and, I, and another thing with them is that with Coutinho and Brendia, who are obviously going to get on to, like, if, they, if those guys stay fit, we have throw Ramsey in the mix as well. We have an incredible line of creativity sort of, if you, if you, if you put sort of, you know, if you're simplifying it and you put Ramsey as sort of slightly further forward of than, than McGinn and Louise, and you look at it like there's that line of three could, you know, Coutinho, Ramsey, Buendia. There's so much creativity in that, in that trio. And who do you want? What kind of striker now do you want up front when you have that level of creativity? Do you want the striker in Ollie Watkins who is a hard worker, but you can't call him prolific, can you? Let's be real. Like you can't call him prolific whatsoever. Um, I think Seb, you mentioned it earlier, takes, or maybe it was before we were on the, we were recording, but takes three or four chances to score. I mean, that's being generous this season, three or four chances to score. I think it might be more than that. And you look at, you look at Watkins, the goals that Watkins scores, you look at Danny Ings and you're like, yeah, I think he'd have scored that goal if he'd have been playing. You know, he'd have scored that goal. Whereas yeah. you look at the goals that Danny Ings scored, scored the one one of the ones that's the recent one that's in my mind is the last one he scored, Brentford away when Brendia did that yeah. sort of pirouette and played him through, and Ings finished first time, first time I think tight yeah. angle left foot, like maybe last season, but this season's Ollie Watkins is not scoring that goal, not scoring that goal. If I, I don't think he's even really shooting, I think he's taking a second touch and he's being closed down or he's losing the ball because he just he doesn't seem to have that confidence or that he looks frustrated doesn't he? he he does he just doesn't seem to be backing himself whereas like Danny Ings you can say you, you know you can say a lot of stuff positively about him 
Sure, he's got some weaknesses. Every player's got a weakness. But if there's one thing you can definitely say about Danny Ings, it's that he backs himself to score. And why shouldn't he? Like, why wouldn't he, based on his sort of record? Um, and even for us, he hasn't had that much game time. Um, doesn't even necessarily get that many chances because he's quite good, like you say, Seb. I've been quite impressed with his pressing as well. He brings other players into the game. Like, he's the kind of player, I think, who is selfish in that he wants to score, but he's also happy to let attacking midfielders and wingers, whoever you may have, play around him. Um, but if you give him a chance, you 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 know you're backing him to score, aren't you? Whereas like Watkins, honestly, at the moment, at the moment, if Watkins was running clean through on goal, I wouldn't think he would score. That's the it's, it's harsh, but it's the truth of the matter at the moment. And it's that talking about moving forward and progressing. Like, how long do you persist with a striker up front who is very far removed from what you would describe as a clinical striker? Well, and it's a styles of play too. Like I feel like last season we needed Ollie to be that player to hold it up and to kind of move it off him and go from there. And I feel like now under Gerard, it's more so, of course, you're going to use Buendia and Coutinho and use their trickery and their brilliance to kind of make that happen. So I feel like you almost have, I'm not going to say Watkins is similar to them, but you just have three players that can hold on to the ball as long as they really need to. And I feel like, again, it's just we're missing that kind of direct cutting edge. And I feel like, unfortunately, you look at this Leeds game and I felt like at halftime it should have been. I mean, the second goal is ridiculous from a Leeds or conceding from our standpoint from Leeds. But I mean, I felt like we could have scored five, six or even seven today. They just it it, it is one of those. But let's go over to uh, Coutinho, Ramsey. And Buendia, because I mean, all of them, in my opinion, uh, were fantastic. It was a, it was a shame to see Buendia go off um, with what seems to be a niggle. It doesn't look to be anything massively serious. Um, crossing my fingers because that's the last thing we need. And of course, Coutinho uh, went off later with a little bit of a hobble, but sat on the bench. So you'd think it's maybe nothing major. Um, and uh, now I'm hoping that Leon Bailey is hopefully coming back soon because now I'm starting to worry about injuries all over again, but so has been our season. But Seb, when you look at these three in particular, and I mean, we can kind of gush about Jacob Ramsey right now, only being 20 years old and he looks like the next big thing. What do you make of all three of them in their performances this evening? Yeah, you're right. We could gush about Jacob and that is exactly what I'm going to do. I think he is absolutely incredible. I'm I'm stunned with how quickly he's progressed and how quickly he looks at ease in this squad. You know, he has a strut about him that's almost like, yeah, give me the ball. I'm Jacob Ramsey. I can make something happen here. You know, 20 years old and you're Aston Villa Football Club's top scorer. I mean, I I absolutely love him. And with every 90 minutes that passes, that love for him just grows and grows and grows. And I know that one day it's probably going to end up in heartbreak, just as similar to what happened last season. But for now, he's an Aston Villa player, an Aston Villa fan, and he's absolutely killing it. And he's playing alongside Philip Coutinho, who a few years ago, he'd have been looking at playing for Liverpool and going, wow, what a player. You know, those those two have have a friendship that we could have never dreamed of, really. And it, it's just sort of rose from nowhere. And I think I've got down here that they've assisted each other four times in the last three games, which is just incredible. And 
that's a bond. You mentioned Brendia. That's a triangle that's only really going to grow if you think about it. You know, Ramsey is still coming on leaps and bounds. I still don't think we've seen the best of Coutinho yet, which again is frightening. And again, Brendia, as long as his injury is not bad, I think still has another level to go up, which is insane considering he was our player of the month last year. So we've got players coming back like Bailey and Traore. Speaking of Bailey, did he ever make his announcement today? He said, I don't know whether you saw, he said on Instagram, he's got this big announcement coming up and I, I haven't seen anything of it. Um, You can take this one. <laughs> at, at time of recording, I do not believe that he has made that announcement. No. <laughs> and there's only, what, 40 minutes left of today. So it better be good if he saved it, if he saved it to half 11 at night. But you know, maybe he's forgotten. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But either way, it looks as though he's, he's on his way back from injury and adding him to, to that trio is is something that I look forward to. Um, Triore as well. Like there are there are a few talks of Triore maybe exiting in January, but watching him at the African Cup of Nations, he seemed to boss it. He seemed to take on the responsibility for Burkina Faso and look to be that player that instrumented them getting to fourth place, which again is an incredible achievement. So if you look at our attacking quality. Ings, Watkins, Brendia, Coutinho, Jacob Ramsey, Leon Bailey, Bertrand Traore. Almost Carney Chukwameka as well, if you want to add that into it. You look at those and you think, wow, we're not we're not short of options, are we? Um, but yeah, touching back to your original point, because I made a bit of a diversion there. Those three um, have been magnificent and watching them play together is... It's filthy at times, and long may it continue. Yeah, massively. The one thing I I sit back and look at, and you know what? Like, maybe it's, and I said you would fall under this too, because I mean, compared to when I started supporting Villa just over a decade ago, and our our timelines would kind of overlap, whereas Tom will have a little bit more in depth knowledge. And I'm not calling Tom old, just like Seb would call Simon ancient or something. Oh, you beat me to it. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, I I, I know you too well, my young friend. I I know what's in your locker, (laughs) uh, and it's frightening. Uh, But, anyways, um, I almost wonder as a fan base, and Tom, feel free to take this away once I'm done my little rant. But, like, I sit back and I look at the depth we've had, and I almost wonder if that makes the fan base or certain parts of it have a lot of insecurity. Like, I mean, in my mindset, we've went from Benteke and Hellenius or Grant Holt challenging him for that starting spot. And you could probably throw a million other crap strikers under that. Um, And that was kind of on offer as the second option. And now we're seeing two quality options almost in every position. And that's Gerard's goal. And he's kind of put that out there very publicly since he's come in. Do you, do you agree with that in a sense? Because like at the end of the day, we have the options and Seb lists them off, of course, with Traore and Bailey to come back. Um, and of course, we have a variety of different youth options that could come in and fill their spot and play a massive, um, kind of be a massive factor in any game. But do you agree with that? Because like I, I see certain parts of the fan base where they kind of, of course they're going to be overly negative and kind of hoot and holler and say, nothing's going to be good enough. But 
I don't know. It, it's almost for one, it's how it's going to be managed, but two, like it's almost scary for what we have. And maybe we have to appreciate that a little bit more. Hopefully that made sense. But anyways, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Cause it's like, it's just part of being a football fan. And particularly these days, it's like, you get these runaway, uh, runaway expectations, right? It's difficult. Um, and you can look at it. You can, you can pinpoint it back. Cause like, you know, we signed Emmy Brendia early last summer. And it was like hopes being, you know, everyone sort of, or lots of Villa fans anyway, pinned their hopes on Emi Buendia. Like he's going to be, he's going to be the star player. He's going to be the star man. Then we, we get Leon Bailey. Oh, I can't wait to watch Leon Bailey. Like he's going to be it. He's going to be the star man. And now fast forward, you know, seven months or whatever it is, Philippe Coutinho, oh, he's the star man. And like, we can say, I think we can say objectively that Philippe Coutinho is the star man. Um, but you look at having like Leon Bailey on the bench when he comes back, if he comes back, he's like the invisible man in it. But if, if, if he comes back and we can get him in the match day squad consistently, like that's a ridiculous option to have on the bench. Cause like you look at Villa's bench today. Um, I saw that Gerard said after the game that if we hadn't have got, if Konza hadn't have got that, you know, it would have been a very late sub, but if Konza hadn't have got that second yellow, he was going to throw Ings on and try and make one last sort of push for it. Um, so you've got Ings as an option would have come on if it hadn't been the red card, like you've got Carney came on, but then very quickly at the moment, you're down to the kids. Um, you know, we had Ashley Young coming on in midfield and don't get me wrong, like brings a lot of nous and experience and, and he's a bit, bit sort of crafty in that way, he knows how to antagonize opponents and take the sting, you know, sort of take the sting out of the game while, while winding your opponents up, which you kind of do need. You need those kind of players in your team. But like, if you're going for a win, like to have Leon Bailey coming off the bench instead of Ashley Young in a sort of wide midfield position is just chalk and cheese, isn't it? Um, and then I think you talked about management, Cole. Like one thing I think we need to nip in the bud is like I've seen on social media a lot of fans being like, oh, I can't wait to see Bailey come in. I can't wait to see like Philippe Coutinho, Emmy Buendia, Leon Bailey play together. Not going to happen, guys. Not going to happen. Like you, Philip Coutinho, Emmy Buendia, Leon Bailey, Jacob Ramsey. What are you just leaving John McGinn hauling ass in midfield, trying to do it all on his own? Yes, we are. <laughs> like you've, you've. I mean, his ass is. I mean, I. You know, I'd watch it. <laughs> he could give it a good effort, but like, I, I, considering we're talking now after today about how soft we are in midfield, like you've got to think that if they don't get injured, God forbid, Coutinho and Buendia starting every game till the end of the season if they're fit if Coutinho can prove his fitness particularly and prove that he can carry that weight of playing we're going to have you know we're going to have a few weeks where we play twice um as long as they can prove their fitness they're going to start every game because like look at them why wouldn't they start every game Jacob Ramsey you know you could you could bring in prime Kaka and you'd, you'd barely dislodge Jacob Ramsey at the moment um <laughs> So what was that about? What was that about runaway expectations? Sorry. That's my new Twitter bio. That, that I love so that. The, those three pick themselves. Like if they're fit, those three pick themselves. Um, the question then is like, do we have the midfield options to carry that luxury? Because like Brendia, Ramsey, very hard workers get stuck in, particularly Brendia. Great to see. Like, I, I, I love him today some of the you know getting stuck in winning the ball back in midfield driving forward it's just it's great to see 
Um, but you're not really going to get that from Coutinho. Um, he's a re- is the absolute definition of a luxury player, and his positives far outweigh the risk of carrying a negative player like that. Like, look at his his goal was excellent. Coutinho's two assists today. Just look at those assists alone. Like, if you wanted the argument for paying thirty three million or whatever the clause apparently is for Coutinho, if you wanted to sum up that argument in 15 seconds you show the clips of the two assists today because like maybe Buendia but apart from that there's nobody else in our squad who who can set up two goals in that fashion um the weight of pass the timing of pass like is is on a different level entirely so like if 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 he's fit and if Buendia's fit like they start and they're our main creative outlet uh our main channels going forward um, so then it becomes it becomes for me a question of if if you put those two in as guaranteed starters for now, you put Ramsey in as guaranteed starter pretty much. What are the best solutions around those players? How much can you afford to sort of carry with them in the team? Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking again, like Watkins, Douglas Louise today as well. Like we need we need way better performances than that today from Douglas Louise in midfield. If you're gonna have Coutinho, Buendia, Ramsey as your sort of more more attacking midfield. Um, and then like coming back to Watkins as well, like you, you some point you're going to have to be expecting more from the players around them because we're raising the level, aren't we? Like January has been a big step up for us, bringing in Dina and Coutinho, real statement month of what Gerard and his staff and the board want to do and the, the steps they want to take. That is not going to, slow down right you think we've got the summer ahead of us there's a, it's a big summer ahead there's going to be a lot of investment i think um i think we're at a position now where players like players like ollie watkins should be concerned about their place and i don't think they have been concerned about their starting place until this point um i've gone off on a tangent this time as well going back to ramsey coutinho and brendia brilliant love watching them and that's that's the disappointment from going back to the game like the manner in which we conceded the goals so disappointing because that period in the first half coming back from coming back from one down to going three one up was really magical to watch and you were like we've got a hell of an exciting team here might actually be fun to watch might might breeze past teams and then you know villa are gonna villa aren't they yeah i mean at the end of the day we're we're still gonna have really frustrating results if if you're a true Villa fan, you know you're going to be pissed off at least a million times in one season. Let's be honest, it does happen. Um, something I saw that was really cool, and I know we did want to bring it up here, so I'll just mention it quickly because I do uh, want to get to our uh, three-word summaries because I think there's like over 75 of them, so want to read out as many as we can. Um, I'm pretty sure Fabrizio Romano uh, quote-tweeted Villa Report, which is cool to see. Um, so it's basically Steven Gerrard, Loving Coutinho in this quote, saying, if you don't like watching Felipe Coutinho, then you should stop watching football because that performance was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Romano goes on to mention, which, of course, Tom did mention as well. uh, There's a 40 million euro uh, buy option in June as well. So we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. And I mean, realistically, if he lights it up and continues to do so, um, I would assume we will go for him. I don't even care if he's 40 at this stage. I know he's not actually 40, but like 
it's the most exciting thing I've seen in a long time. And there's been lots of exciting moments lately, but uh, anyways, let's get over to these three word summaries. Cause there are a crap load of them and um, I haven't looked at a lot of them. So I will try to read out the best ones. So I don't get myself canceled, but anyways, let's go to Barry Robertson saying lack of composure, John C saying he won 45 quid. So congratulations, John. I'm hoping that was on a bet um, or whatever it was. Congrats. Um, let's go to Adam Holt. Lie down needed. Uh, Regan says, what a game. Uh, let's go to Macavilla. Two points dropped. Claret Villains. What the frick? Uh, Simon Palmer. We can't defend. Um Let's see here. MRK, Ramsey, the future, Daniel Donnelly, silly red card. And let's do three more. Um, Let's go to Rob Watts. Defending was shite. Thomas Lawrence, I enjoyed it. And let's scroll all the way to the bottom so everyone can know I finally read everything. Um, We'll go to um, Adam saying shit defending ram coup i don't know what that is but anyways if, if that's something bad i apologize and if seb is young and knows that's a slang thing then please do correct me but uh i've before... got the foggiest of ideas <laughs> okay well i i don't know what that is maybe it was a typo and hopefully i didn't offend anybody so if that's something bad i do apologize um i'm 27 going on 57 with the knowledge that i know what kids say these days and to be honest whoever said it could be older than me so I'll just shut up and stop embarrassing myself. But uh, guys, let's do our match balls before we wrap things up because we've been going definitely for long enough. And I know Seb probably wants to get to bed at some point here because it's almost going on Thursday for him. So Seb, I'll start with you. Who do you give your match ball to? Can I give it to both of them? (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) You're probably going to push me for an answer because we're limited on times. If you had to go for one, I'd go for Coutinho. I think I've given Ramsey enough love in today. So I'll I'll hand that over to Coutinho now with with a goal. Was it a goal and two assists for Coutinho? Yep. Yeah. So he's contributed in all of our goals. And to come in in not a long period of time and to settle in to the squad so quickly and just for his partnership loving alone with Jacob Ramsey, I'm going Coutinho. But it could be either of them. Tom, how about you? Could be either of them. Shout out to Emmy Buendia as well, who I've uh, given more than more than my fair share of uh, match balls to um, in recent weeks. But uh, I think it's it, for me, it's got to be Coutinho as well. Like he's just um, he's such a difference maker, and like in every sense of the word as well. Because you you know like a goal and two assists, you can't argue with. But like it's the quality of them as well. He, he's just a class above um and i know it's not as cut and dried as this it's not as simple as this but like if you look at today's game the way that we defended and the way that we just relinquished control in midfield like if we didn't have coutinho's standout class then you're looking at you're looking at you know being beaten at home by leeds two two years in a row which let's be frank nobody wants um so i think you know looking forward just you just gotta hope that you just gotta hope that he stays fit. Um because he's clearly now like I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of stuff on social media, you know, to 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 the to the end of uh you know, we've rehabilitated Coutinho 
and turned him back into prime Coutinho within like a month. And like you watch games like you get watch games like today's and it does feel a little bit like that. So like he's clearly got his confidence back, scored that absolute missile for Brazil um, in the international break. He's clearly got his confidence back. I really think he loves playing, you know, loves being back with Gerard. I think he's got a great understanding with Buendia and Ramsey. Like long may that continue because if he can keep this, keep this up, um, he's, he's going to be, I mean, comfortably probably the most special player that I've seen play for Villa in my time watching Villa. You know, people like Grealish were pretty, pretty good, but Coutinho is, is just a magician, isn't he? I don't know who Grealish is, to be honest. Um, I've erased him from my mind. But anyways, um, in all seriousness, um, you know what? It has to go to Coutinho. I mean, what? That's three games he's played in, and he has what? Is it two goals and two assists? Or is it two goals and three assists? I can't remember exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it, it doesn't matter at this point, I feel like, how well he does. He could score 10 goals and get 20 more assists. He's going to be linked with every other club under the sun um, come the summer now. But regardless, I think, uh, like I said before, I think we're prime spot for him right now. And uh, you know what? If we can keep him happy, that's all I can really wish for. And I mean, today just showed that he really enjoyed his football, just the freedom to express himself. And I feel like we've kind of went under that as a football club from survival, whatever it costs, to really kind of opening up and, reaching for that kind of next tier and the next tier after that. So, you know, it's really exciting. And uh, yeah, for me, it's just putting even more pressure on the summer. And if it doesn't go well, there's going to be even more negativity. So um, hopefully it does go well. But uh, you know what? Before we do wrap things up, we've kind of touched on... Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I've got some breaking news for you. Okay, go ahead. You know, I mentioned that Leon Bailey announcement. Yes. Really exciting stuff. He's... um. He's announced a new brand. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought I thought it was going to be an NFT, so it's better than it's better than what I was expecting. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping for a documentary, so I what's don't his, know. At, at least he's not retired. Let's what's his brand? What's it called? Um, Lions. This has been a long time coming. Has it? The LB <laughs> brand is here. To the Lions that never switched up, the first collection is for you. My true day ones. LB day one collection out the 14th of the second. Twen- He's put it out on Valentine's Day. That's, <laughs> that's something clever, that. Limited release, pre-order only, and no restocks. Well, Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the grumpy old man role. I'd settle for just seeing him back in the match day squad. To be honest. <laughs> but, uh, there you go. Get some minutes under your son. That's what you yeah. should be saying. But uh, no, Big I kids mean, these days. Yeah. I, I'm going to be asking my girlfriend for a Valentine's Day present now, and it's going to be his brand. Shirt, <laughs> so um, can't wait to get that um, under Cupid's arrow. But anyways, um, we've kind of talked about Newcastle a little bit. So this kind of serves as a little bit of a preview as well, I guess, in some weird circumstance. So let's do some score predictions as well, because I'm sure we'll get them all wrong. Um, even though I think actually last time we did them, I got it right. So a little shout out to me and a little pat on the back to myself. But Tom, if you're going to give a score prediction for Sunday, what would it be? Bad form to shout yourself out on your own podcast. Call. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, Love it. I, score prediction. I mean, we never win there. Like, am I supposed to just ignore the fact that we never win there? We've had enough chances, right, uh, recent years. Um, I, I mean, it's hard not to be slightly rattled from the defensive point of view. Um, 
Oh, I'll say for fear of for fear of being chastised, I'll say two one two one Villa, uh, Coutinho and Coutinho, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Chris Wood with his customary uh, headed goal. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seb, how about you? Um, you know what? I I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm going to go the same as Tom. I think Newcastle will take an early lead via Chris Wood, and then Matt Target can't play right, can he? No. No, so I, I I do think we'll win. Um, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'll switch it up. I'll go three one. Um, I think Dinya will get his first goal, and then Ings Ings brace. Why not? Why Fair not? Enough. If I if I'm backing him to do better than Watkins, then you know I've got to back him properly. Also, did you say you predicted the last score pre- correctly? So as in you predicted it was three all today. No, no, no. Sorry. No, no. I mean, like the last time that we've done it on podcast together, which I think was oh, right. Okay. It was either the United game or um, I can't honestly, I feel like we played so little in the last month. I honestly forget that football is even a thing. That's all right. I was just double checking. So I was going to say, if you had predicted three all tonight, then you're more than welcome to shout yourself out. Well, yeah. uh, I'll have, Derek- the lottery, have the lottery numbers as well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, I put a bet on the weekend and it failed after like the first attempt. So that that shows my predictions. Damn QPR. Um, I didn't get the exact score. That's why you don't bet exact score, folks. But anyways, um, bet Eric, kids. But anyways, yeah, bet responsibly if you are. But anyways, we'll, we'll wrap things. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to end this. This is shambolic. But anyways, uh, we'll wrap it up there because as I've noticed, uh, Seb's grown a full beard here in the hour that or so that we've been chatting. Um, and he's finally come of age. So we'll uh, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much to Tom and to Seb for joining me. Of course, if you want to find any of us on Twitter, uh, just basically look in the description and you can do so there. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. You should hear from us again, hopefully bright and early on Monday morning, hopefully after a win. And the one thing I do want to say, actually, before we do um, finish, if we do lose to Newcastle, please don't throw abuse at Maddie Target because he's not even playing and he hasn't done anything wrong. And I can just see that happening. But anyways, that's all I want to say. So everyone have a great week. We'll chat soon. And don't forget, up the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.